All right, it is two gentlemen that are just thrilled about how their football season is going. Hey, everyone, it's Matt Sheehan, host of Locked on Spartans. Over there, Trent Condon, host of Locked on Hawkeyes. We're doing another crossover here. Trent, are we doing okay? Just honest question. I care about you. We, we doing all right over there? Yeah, is this kind of one of those mental check-ins where you're, you're just reaching out to yeah. somebody to see how they're doing? Yeah, it. you yeah. know, I, I know it's bad here. I know the loss last week for Iowa to Penn State, it was hideous and less than 100 yards of total offense. And then I say, well, I guess I'm not a Sparty fan. And maybe that's not too bad. So I'm, I'm all right. How are you doing? Let's let's flip it right back to you. Basketball season's 40-some days away, depending on what day you're listening to this. But, uh, yeah, we're still here. We're still standing. Um, that's all I could really say here. I'm sorry to be, like, so pessimistic. But, my goodness gracious, just lost by 22 points against Maryland. And the week before that, we lost by 89 points against Washington, if I have the number correctly in my head. So, in an odd way, Trent, I'm, like, looking forward to seeing Michigan State hit the road here, which is something that you should never be able to say in college football. Bad things always happen on the road, especially when it's a night game, especially when it's a Kinnick Stadium. But, like, I don't know. I just feel like this team needs a change of scenery. You know, in the worst way. But uh, how are you feeling, just from a broad overview, mm-hmm. about this game coming up 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on NBC? Because who wouldn't want to see this game on primetime? Yeah, NBC is not exactly getting the shiniest objects here the last no. uh, throughout this season in year number one of the new contract. You know, the the temperament of this program, we have been trending to this direction. And it started when Brian Ferentz got the job now eight years ago as the offensive coordinator, a guy that was never a play caller in his career, a guy that's learning on the job as an offensive coordinator. The first year was a disaster, and no surprise there. Things did get better in years two through four, but now over the last three seasons, they have absolutely cratered. And a lot of it has been about the offensive line and, and some of the issues there. And we'll talk about that here throughout the show today for all the Sparty listeners out there and the Hawkeye fans obviously know about it. But, you know, when you look at the temperament right now, the program, they're three and one. The schedule is incredibly easy the rest of the way. Yep. They have a great chance of winning the division, especially obviously if they go on the road and beat Wisconsin here coming up in a couple of weeks. But it's more big picture, the frustrations that have continued to build and even the optimistic view and they're going to be OK and they will. I mean, they're going to still at minimum win eight, nine games probably this year okay. because of the schedule. But it's that underlying frustration inside the program about nepotism about giving a guy that did not have the credentials to get the job, having the job and having it this long. We have the 25 point per game, the, the drive for 325 that has become yep. a national punchline. And and that's led to a lot of frustration inside the fan base. It's something that the former athletic director, Gary Barta, many people believe should not have put in place as he was departing as the athletic director, as he was ousted. There's now an interim athletic director that most people believe is going to ultimately get the job. But now she has that Beth gets hanging over her head. So it's just created these hurdles. It's created this punchline. It has created a lot of frustration inside the fan base and, and not just inside the fan base on lockdown Hawkeyes as people here each and every day. Yeah. And so with that said, that was kind of where I was going to go next to that is that yes, three and one did not go great in happy Valley last week, but you feel still like, you know, the, the, the bowl game of course is on the table. I mean, eight, nine wins on the table. The big 10 West is still on the table. Like that's all, you know, in clear view in your opinion. Yeah, I think so. You know, things just, it got away. And those kind of games are going to happen. And the silver lining is, well, when you're somewhere 25 years like Kirk Ferentz has been, there's going to be those kind of games. I mean, they're going to, they're going to pop up for seemingly every program short of Alabama that you're going to have a performance that is just an absolute stinker. And he's had a handful of them. And every time that they've had those, they have bounced back. In fact, 
the last time Iowa went out to Penn State, got throttled, looked as bad as they had in a long time in 2017. They come back the next week and beat second-ranked Michigan. And I'm sure Sparty fans remember that one well. I do, fondly, yes. It it (laughs) was a great game and walked it off. And and what environment it was, a comeback victory, where Iowa's program looked like they were dead, dead in the water, and they weren't going to be able to pull themselves out of it. And they come out the next week and have that kind of performance. So that's where kind of they are in the overview of things. Matt, we'll dig in a little bit deeper, but for Sparty, and at least my perspective, I think the Hawkeye fan base, it's not really even about the game coming up on Saturday. It's just what's the temperature of the program? Mel Tucker now officially fired. There's going to be a lot of litigation, a lot of billable hours out there for the lawyers. Uh, yeah. to get paid. <laughs> yep. That's going to go well for them. But just overview where you guys are kind of as a program at this point, as we sit here in late September. Yeah, great to be a Lansing area lawyer. No question about that. But uh, as far as the fan base and the game goes, I'm going to speak for myself personally because there are 75 different emotions that people have about this. And the one I have is teetering on almost helplessness right now because we are not even in October yet. We were blessed with a four-game homestand to start the season. And did I expect to be Washington? No, certainly not. But did I expect to hold them then? you know, less than 700 yards, a program record for an opponent. Uh, Yeah, I thought that we could do a little better than that. And then the next week, bouncing back with a game against Maryland, homecoming, you know, the full nine yards, maybe the boys can rally together. And, oh, boy, they lost by 22 after starting the game down 21 to zero. So it's tough sledding here. Uh, I don't have any faith in any of the coordinators. I don't think any fan uh, that really has watched even a game in the last two years has any faith in the coordinators moving forward. And really, that's who's in charge now steering the ship. Yes, we have Harlan Barnett as the acting head coach, but I think he's just more of like the substitute teacher, making sure everyone's keeping a a cool head in the locker room. He's kind of just like that guiding light. And boy, that really doesn't give me confidence moving forward into the season here. But so, yeah, I I almost teeter on that, the H word helplessness, because it's just like, where do you get the optimism from? Like the offense has been sputtering now. However, I will answer my own question there. Where does the, the hopefulness come from the defense did end the game on a strong note against Maryland. And I know that is like just the most moral victory talk of all time. Like, yeah, held them to 10 points in the last three quarters. The only problem was he gave up 21 points immediately. Uh, But yeah, there was some optimism to be taken from the defense in the second half of that game. So that is why I say teetering on helplessness and not fully all the way there, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's already silly season, man. And we're still in September. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. No, I'm fine. It's fine. Everything's great. It's okay. One more for you, Matt. And before we dig into our teams and kind of the matchup here, it's the D'Antonio angle that, that has gotten uh, some eyebrows raised back here in Iowa, as you can imagine, Kirk Ferentz and Mark D'Antonio had a lot of epic matchups. Of course, the 2015 big 10 championship game go way back to the 2009 game. The physicality of that one, the walk-off winner with Marvin yeah. McNutt in the end zone. Uh, there's been some great games played between these two. There's also no love loss between Mark D'Antonio and Kirk Ferentz. A lot no. of <laughs> negative recruiting that came from D'Antonio back in the day in his program. Well, one guy survived and the other did not, and it's the guy that's in sure. Iowa City. Um, but what is his role? What What is this? Is it figurehead? What What is he actually a part of this program right now? 
Honestly, like just from the looks of it right now, same role that I have with the program and same role that you have with Iowa's program. I I don't think it's much. He's not wearing a headset. I don't really know how engaged he is on the sidelines whenever the camera is on him or you hear from people inside of Spartan Stadium that watch him like, yeah, I mean, he's just it's kind of there hanging out just as the 10th guy. So, no, I I think that was a storyline that may have been a little just overblown, like, oh, the band's getting back together. Mark's going to straighten things out. Nah, he's just, he's just kind of chilling, I, I think. I mean, unless I'm missing something, he is Harlan Barnett's right-hand man. So I think it was more so like, hey, let's give Harlan someone to, you know, kind of hold hands with as they move forward during this incredibly awkward season. More than it was like, hey, we're getting Mark in there, giving him the clipboard. He's going to be doing film sessions. He's going to be teaching these guys technique and everything. I, I think it was more so just, all right, this is going to be a, an incredibly tall task for Harlan Barnett coming up. Let's at least get his old friend in the mix here and, you know, just uh, give the wise owl an even wiser owl to, uh, you know, hang out with here uh, throughout the weeks on the sidelines and stuff like that. So that's that's kind of where I, I see it. It's 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 not as much as people were going to think uh, going into this whole thing. So makes sense. We, right now. We'll see a handshake and that'll be it. Hopefully. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but pro- probably. Hopefully a camera's around for that. I mean, that'd be a yeah. fun, nice little picture. And God, what a picture to have in the year of our Lord, 2023. D'Antonio and Ferentz high-fiving again <laughs> at, at midfield after the game. That'd be something else. Uh, Trent, we will get into the nitty-gritty here. You'll throw me in the hot seat, ask about my Spartans. And then in the third segment, I'll uh, throw it back your way, ask about the Hawkeyes. But first, need to talk to people's ears off about Nutrafol. That's right. Hey, did you know? that most men, 80% of men actually, will experience hair thinning in their lifetime. Trent, if it's anything like it is over here, that number is higher than 80% if you are a college football fan. Well, Nutrafol is here to get the thinning out of your life. Are you tired of thinning hair? Do you want to reach your full hair potential? Leading hair growth supplement Nutrafol helps improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Just go to Nutrafol.com men to take their hair health wellness quiz, identify causes of your thinning hair, and Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for better hair health through the whole body wellness. That's right. And it works. In a clinical study, 84% of men showed improvement in their hair after six months, just in time for March Madness, taking Nutrafol hair growth supplements. Take the first step towards visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com men and enter promo code locked on college again neutral.com slash men and enter promo code locked on college that is neutral.com slash men promo code locked on college all right i'm ready what do you want to know about this team other than that we're drowning but we're only up to our chins right now we're not completely submerged underwater well i think we start at the quarterback position and that's the place to go uh couple different quarterbacks have been out there for Sparty at this point. So let's start right there. Kind of the style that you anticipate to see and likely two quarterbacks out there, unless we see the starter go right away and, and have a good run. That is the big storyline for me going into this game is that yes, it will be Noah Kim getting the start, even though he was benched last week against Maryland, Harlan Barnett doubled down after the game. He said it right after the game. No, there's no controversy. Okay, you benched your quarterback with the quarter to go. But regardless, uh, on Monday, he also said that Noah is still our guy. So the number one storyline I'm looking for is, yes, he will start, but how long of a leash will he be getting? Because against Washington, the the score was 193-0 to by the time he was even pulled. Against Maryland, the game was already out of reach by the time he was pulled. Are we going to be waiting until, like, I was up 17-0 in the second half, which 
might as well be a 34-0 score with how this game's going to be. Or if things are rocky early on and it's still like a 10-0 game in the middle of the second quarter, are we finally going to see Kaden Hauser? So that is the number one storyline for me. I, I do think that Noah Kim should still be the starter. Has it been perfect the last two weeks? Absolutely not. But I also think that there's been a lot more issues on this offense than just quarterback play. You had those two bad interceptions last week. The second interception, Kate Snap, he didn't see coming. The right tackle got absolutely fried, and he kind of panicked and well played a game of 500 like you would on a playground. But also, a lot of fumbles, a lot of drop passes, some timely penalties, and just, yeah. So it is more than just Noah Kim. So that's why I think he should get at least one more start here. And I think I've put myself in the minority camp with that because people are ready to flip the page to the old four-star Kate and Hauser here and see how he can sling the rock with his first start. So you mentioned uh, the offense, the quarterback position as a whole, averaging just uh, shy of 400 yards per game offensively. This team has been able to move the football effectively. Now, yeah. not exactly against the stiffest competition defensively throughout the course of the year. And I think yeah. that's another component you look at here. But overall with the offense, you start with the ground game, another transfer running back, working pretty well there for Sparty. I mean, is that where it starts? Kind of, What does this team look like offensively? What yeah. are we going to see? What are they ultimately trying to do? You know, I like how you ended that question. What are they trying to do? Because that is where we have been in limbo here is that, yeah, we want to give Nathan Carter the ball, especially on first down, you know, stay on schedule, move it to second and five, second and four, you know, do some inside zone runs here. But, oh boy, if there's been a disappointment on offense, it has been that offensive line. They are behind schedule more times than not. And yes, Nathan Carter, he's a really good running back, but he's not so good where he can just take zero help here and just has to fight for the yards himself kind of like our good personal friend Kenneth Walker did a few years ago here in East Lansing. So he is good, but man, it has been tough sliding against power five competition. Washington went just terrible. And like Washington is a great team, but on defense, they're just like fine, like good, you know, not world beating, but boy, do we make them look like the 85 bears. Uh, And also it did go a little better against Maryland, but yeah, we just got to see it because look with the quarterback play so far, whether it is Noah Kim, whether it is Kate Hauser, Neither are good enough just to shoulder the load entirely in the air game and just become, you know, spread it out wide and air this thing out. Like you do need some semblance of a run game. So that will be important going into this game. So you look at the defensive numbers and they are so changed by that Washington game. And we've seen what Washington has done. Take that game aside. And maybe even the first quarter against Maryland, you mentioned seeing improvement throughout the course of that game. Does this team have a chance to be at least pretty good defensively? You know, if I did go into a coma right before the Washington game and I came back to my senses midway through the second quarter against Maryland and no one even brought me up to speed, I would be thinking like, oh, yeah, Scotty Hazleton has got the boys cooking in his fourth year as defensive coordinator. But unfortunately, there are those five and a half quarters of football on our resume here. And it's been, you know, a litany of issues, lack of pass rush, which like has been odd because the defensive line was supposed to be a strength for this team. And they still have like their good flashes. Simeon Barrow and Derek Harmon are still great on the inside, but that Washington game, like metal, Michael Penix never saw the whites of anyone's eyes. Like he was never pressured. Talia Tagovailoa, like same kind of deal here. He was very rarely pressured. So that's been odd. Can we find something with that at Iowa? Perhaps because, well, when you don't have a pass rush, our secondary, it's been storied the last few years that they kind of struggle they're going to get fried if they don't have any support in the pass rush game. So it, it has been very touch and go here, but yeah, more, more go than touch the, the last two games. 
One other thing, and this is something that has been lingering. I haven't seen anything definitive, and I don't know if we'll even see anything definitive, but as Michigan State gets ready to play Iowa, it's their fifth game of the year. With the transfer rule, with now the official firing of Mel Tucker and the ability of some players that have a redshirt year available to opt out, to sit out, and maybe even they make the decision, maybe I will stick around Michigan State. We'll see who the next coach is, but I'll get another year of eligibility is that something real? Is that more of a manufactured storyline? Do you think there's a real possibility that we're going to find out maybe come game time, there's a couple of guys that made the decision, I'm not going to be playing in this one and maybe for the rest of the year? Yeah, it 100% is something to look at, especially with these availability reports that they have to drop now two hours before the game. Like, I'm going to be taking an extra, extra look at, okay, who is on this list? What happened to you last game? Have you missed multiple games here? Is this a legitimate injury? So, of course, it is a storyline because it, it would just be naive to think that, oh, there's there's not a problem. Of course, these kids are going to stick around. Everyone loves it here. Like, no, there is some turbulence going on here. However, like, I don't expect the number to be, like, all that high. Someone mm-hmm. asked me earlier this week, actually, it was a question I never got to, like, the over-under for guys that are going to enter the transfer portal, where are you going to put it at? And I wonder if like four and a half is a good number. I'm not just pulling that number out of my rear for no reason. Northwestern also had some issues in the offseason, right? They had their transfer portal window open and four Wildcats entered the portal through that. Now, maybe a little different. I mean, because, well, three of those four kids were very highly rated kids and Northwestern doesn't have a lot of kids that can just freely go elsewhere. No disrespect to the Wildcats out there. Whereas Michigan State does have some more talented players that may be seeking greener pastures at more established and, well, stable programs right now. So it is a storyline, but, man, I'm just going to put it at, like, four and a half right now, and and we'll just see because all that we've been hearing about is that, hey, not one single guy said they're going to leave, which, of course, the head coach is going to say that. He's not going to get in front of a microphone and say – uh, you know what? I'm glad you asked me that question about who's going to leave because uh, I just had five guys raise their hands. I got four guys that have a U-Haul in front of their apartments right now. Like, of course, they're going to put on the facade that everything is okay. We're just going to find out within the week here, if not two weeks, because we do have a bye week coming up. Could be a good time for kids to go. How true that facade is for uh, fiction here. So it's, it is a storyline. It is a storyline. Oh, and you mentioned yeah. the bye week coming up after this week. Put a lot into yeah. it. Big game. You know, try to to get right. And I think something you said earlier, mm-hmm. I think makes a whole lot of sense. Just getting away. I can't imagine what yeah. these guys are going through, you know, just right. going out there, being on a business trip, getting away, getting away from all the questions that you're going to have very well could be a good thing for Sparty. We're looking for good yeah. things from the Hawks. And we'll talk about that when we come back. Absolutely. And that's really quick. That's something that Harlan Barnett hit on, on Monday too, is that like sometimes a road game is good for a team because it's literally just you guys. You have nowhere to go. You're on the plane together, on the bus, on the hotel, meals together. Like there's no, well, there are distractions, but those distractions get minimized when you are just together as that core. So again, that's very tangible, but we'll see if there's anything to that here. Uh, Coming up, 730, NBC. Still can't believe that's a primetime game, but hey, you know, it, it is what it is. And also, hey, you know what? Before you put me on the hot seat about, or no, I'm sorry. We just did that. Before I put you on the hot seat for Iowa, Sorry, I've barely been sleeping this week. We just had a kid last week. It's been an oh. absolute whirlwind here. So, yeah, I uh, just like to thank you. I like to use that as, uh, as an excuse as I just stumble and stammer through another episode of Locked on Spartans here. A snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book, but not just NFL. This game right now, the Hawkeyes, 12 and a half point favorites. If you're feeling spicy about the Hawkeyes, do it at FanDuel. If you're, spe- if you're feeling hot about our Spartans, FanDuel's the way to go. Also, the total. 36 and a half. I I do actually like the under on that as low as that number is. Anyway, hey, if you're a new customer, 
Get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That is $200 in bonus bets win or lose. If you're thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is super easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, or my personal favorite, the same game parlays. So what are you waiting for, gang? Visit FanDuel.com slash lockdown and kick off the NFL season and join us for a nice wager 7.30 p.m. this Saturday. It's FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Trent, I said before we were recording, the last time me and you talked was the day before Michigan State basketball went down to Iowa and we were oh, up yeah. 12 points with the minute to go. And I'm really starting to have horrible vibes right now, this conversation, but that's okay. We'll just brush all those off here. Um, that was a great game. What are you talking about? Please stop. Do I need to put my hands on my hips and just stare at you? This Probably. That would turn a lot of things around based on what I saw a few months ago. That that really turns the tide of some things. Um, Speaking of turning tides here, I'm going to start with the defense here because there are some numbers that I saw that really just made me arch two eyebrows. Lowest sack total in the Big Ten, lowest interception total in the Big Ten. Is that something that is like DEFCON 1 for you guys? Or is that one of the things where it's like the numbers don't tell the full story? It's not as bad as it seems. What is it looking like over there? It's definitely a scary number because the way mm-hmm. that Iowa has won so many games over, well, uh, 25 years has been sure. about the defense. And yep. even in years where the defense isn't at the elite level, it's been the last couple of seasons, what we've seen is that ability to get to the quarterback and the ability to force turnovers and give your offense a short field to win the field position game, do those kind of things. And that has not been the case here. We came into this season with this Iowa squad, I believed, and I still do, it's the deepest defensive line that I was okay. ever had. One of the most deep position groups that they've ever had. They go 10 deep, guys that are all... Good D1 players, but they don't have that difference maker. They don't have that guy off the edge. They don't have an A.J. Appanessa. They don't have a guy like an Adrian Claiborne. They don't have that player that, you know, time in and time out is going to be that difference maker. And that has really hit hard. Noah Shannon, who they thought they were going to have part of the team this season, suspended for the year for making a bet on a Iowa women's basketball game in the final four. $10 bet. Shoot. And your career <laughs> is over. I mean, it's that's a conversation yeah. for another day. It's of incredibly yeah. frustrating for a guy that did everything right, that is a great leader, a very solid football player, went through rehab, getting his shoulder ready, coming back for an extra season of eligibility, and he's not out there. And that's been more impactful than they thought. The young guys have not popped at the same level. We saw a guy like Deontay Craig a year ago as a limited time guy. He had a bunch of tackles for loss, had six and a half ta- sacks last season, He's got one sack on the year. It came in the first game of the season. So the inability of the front four to get to the quarterback, coupled with not forcing those big plays, getting the turnovers that Iowa's defense normally does, yeah, there's a lot of angst about that because without it, this becomes, you know, an above-average team. They become very average when they're not making those big plays defensively. Betting on Caitlin Clark isn't even gambling. It's just like good financial literacy. It's just a a smart investment to make. But They were 9-1 on the money line. Come on. Beating South Carolina. That's a no-brainer. Come on. Jeez. Oh, well. So between what Michigan State has to offer from the running game, the passing game, and what you guys have on defense, you personally as a Hawkeye guy, what are you more scared of when Michigan State drops back to pass or when we hand the ball off to Nathan Carter? It would definitely be the run game. And though the linebacker play has been very good, especially in the middle with Jay Higgins. Jay Higgins took over a year ago for injury. He was the third linebacker with, Jack Campbell, first-round draft pick, along with Seth Benson, both those guys out there. And he was the third. 
Iowa runs a lot of four two five. They call it cash and the cash position. So he wasn't out there a ton, but he went from a special teamer's first three years on campus, backup linebacker, and towards the end of the year, he's pretty good. So he moves to the middle this year. He's been a stud. He had 18 tackles last week against Penn State. He's got 50 tackles already this season in four games. He's been all over the place. The linebackers have been good, but it kind of comes back to that defensive line. And because of that, the passing game, how you beat I when the passing game is very simple. You're methodical. You don't try to make plays up the field. Yeah. You take the four-yard hitch route. You take the slant. Don't do anything silly. And with the young quarterback in Michigan State and a young crew of quarterbacks now, if they want to yeah. put the ball in the air a little bit, I'm fine with that. But if they're going to be physical, they're going to shorten this game as much as possible. That would be my concern when I look at the Iowa defense because this defense just last week wasn't able to get off the field over 90 plays run by Penn State. You can blame the offense, and there's plenty of blame there. But also the defense had a lot of opportunities and couldn't get off the field when they needed to. Yeah, I, I do want to try to end this episode with some optimism here for uh, us Michigan State what? fans on our side of the world here. So uh, <laughs> let's talk about the offense over there because yeah. I've heard it has not been going too great here. I, I want to start with uh, 2021 Paul Bunyan Trophy runner-up, Cade McNamara, uh, who has now you know found a landing spot with Iowa football. Point blank. How's it been going so far? Uh, okay. It's been a huge disappointment. His play, yeah, okay. and it started back in August. So we have one open scrimmage that we're able to see the football team. It's kids day in the middle of August and he just running, running a play. He's got, you know, the yellow Jersey on, so he can't be touched and yeah. comes up lame and hurt his quad on that one. He hasn't been right though. He's getting better physically. He still is not there. You can see him grimacing. You can see him kind of pulling at that leg from time to time. Not exactly the most athletic quarterback, but there's mobility right. to his game. And the thing that I always loved about him in Michigan was his mobility inside the pocket, knew how to step up, how to shift, how to slide, doing those kind of things. And just even that little hitch has been taken away, at least at some point, to his game. But not just the lack of mobility, it's been, he came in as a guy that is incredibly accurate, a guy that mm -hmm. is going to make the completables. That has not been there. We have seen a guy that has really struggled. Now, I would argue it's more the scheme as opposed to Cade McNamara, okay. but maybe there needs to be a little bit more praise given to Spencer Petras and wasn't all the quarterback's fault because sure. Cade McNamara, a good, competent, solid quarterback has come into the system and look nothing short of awful. It's the scheme. Gotcha. And that's what it is. So McNamara, he hasn't played well. It's not to say that, but he is not the reason, I believe, for the woes of this offense. And the guys surrounding him, the skill position players, I, obviously he has Eric All, I mean, the, the leading pass catcher for you guys so far. But beyond him, like I, I have noticed, like it has been circulated on Twitter that only 14 catches by receivers so far. It, like, is it just lack of explosive playmakers? Is it the scheme that you're talking about? Like, are there other talented guys outside of Eric all in your opinion? No, it's, it's scheme. Now injuries okay. have also hurt the team. So gotcha. Luke Lachey, who was the number one tight end ahead of Eric all he's out for the season as he broke his yeah. ankle a couple of games back against Western Michigan. So you have that component when they like to do with the two tight end system. Well, now you're running your number two and three guys out there and three and four when you're going to that system. I don't believe it's a wide receiver lack of talent. Look, Caleb Brown was a top 100 recruit coming out of high school. It is a recruit at the wide receiver position. I was never had a guy like that. Yeah. I mean, you got to go back to Willie Guy in the 80s, the last time they had a wide receiver recruit like that, and he was a high school quarterback. So we're going way, way back in the day, and you're probably like, who the hell is Willie Guy? Oh, we, we can tell you <laughs> Willie Guy stories. But, Matt, you look at it, and it comes back to scheme. Look at Charlie Jones. Last year at Purdue, mm -hmm. yep. he leads the country in catches. He's one of the top yardage guys at Iowa. 
He couldn't get on the field as outside of anything other than a punt returner. He couldn't get out there. Yeah. It is the scheme. The scheme is absolutely broken. The run game, though, they've worked to fix it. Zone blocking does not work anymore in college football. With your inability to do what Iowa used to be able to do, to cut block on that outside guy, be it an outside backer or a defensive end, it led to that stretch play that would work so well, find the crease and go. Well, you can't block that way anymore. It's illegal. And though Kirk Ferris has yeah. bitched about it for six years, it's still illegal. And yeah. they're still going to get called. So they work to evolve. There's more ISO plays. There's more hat-on-hat blocking. They're running more counters. They're doing that. Yet the passing game is still completely broken. There's no short crossers for the wide receivers. There's nothing that they try to do. I asked the question, you know, what does Michigan State try to do? I watched Brian Ferentz's offenses now for eight years. I still don't know what the end game is <laughs> in the passing game. And that is where we are. It is a scheme problem. They substituted. They have now an older offensive line, veteran guys that are up front, guys that took their licks as freshmen and sophomores, and now are upperclassmen. They bring in two transfers. One can't get on the field. You bring in a new quarterback. You bring in wide receivers, and yet the offense still stinks. It stinks because you got an idiot running the offense, Brian Ferentz, that has no idea what he's doing. In fact, you'll see this. I will probably come out on Saturday night. They will probably look incredibly good the first drive or two because his script of plays have been excellent. First two drives this season. I was averaging almost eight yards per play after those first two drives, three and a half. He can script plays, but once it yeah. gets into not cutting time, you got to figure out what's happening. What are we going to do? All right. Play clock's going down. What's the play, Brian? He doesn't know. And that has been a continued issue for him over eight years. I know that life all too well back in the good old 2018, 2019 stretch MSU had on offense. Just great times. The scripted plays were bangers, mm-hmm. but then there's also, well, three and a half more quarters of football to be played. All right. Anyway, uh, Trent, this was oddly fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. Again, just just two two miserable people uh, <laughs> just getting together to gear up for kickoff Saturday. Woohoo! Who can uh, who cannot catch this fever going on right now? Uh, no, I love it still. It's a sickness. I, I'll still watch every single play of every single game. Like, what yep. else am I going to do here? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. uh, what am I going to do? Be, be a good family man and just hang out with my kids and wife? Please, God, God, I don't be ridiculous. My wife, you're, right. you're rewatching the Penn State. Yes, I'm rewatching the yes. game. We got problems, Matt. Yep, absolutely. But hey, one of us is going to have a slight smile on Saturday. The other one just uh, probably going to have a nice cold beverage by them when they record on Saturday night. But regardless, you know where to find us. It's Trent Condon locked on Hawkeyes. I'm Matt Sheehan locked on Spartans. And hey, no matter what you do from here on out, just hope you have a great weekend. All right.